Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Around the Record with me, Mike. And me, Greg. And today we have a very special guest. We have an interview with Adam J. Stewart. Boy, Say hi, Adam. They hey call him Hey. Guys. hey. <laughs> What's going, going on? on? Hey, feeling good, man. COVID free, right? And just COVID free. That's all we can ask for. That's, that's yeah. All, that's all we can ask for. For now. Until we <laughs> yeah. all get it. Oh man. That sucks. Getting that vaccine in four months. I I'll be first in line. That's the way. That's the way, man. Did you see that big ceremony they had the other day with the, the nurse and was it is if she from Brooklyn? Well her first she's the first patient or whatever. The first yeah, the first US recipient of the vaccine. Was that the older lady? I thought she was younger. I saw the older lady. See, I saw I saw the older lady. She was like 80-something. Oh, maybe there was two. I missed that. Yeah, they were trying to say that the older lady was a, um, a actor. And I'm like, oh, nah, grief. that's legit. What are they saying? No. <laughs> she was an actor. Everything is was a conspiracy. Was it Whoopi Goldberg? She had eyebrows, so it could Never. be Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why she ain't got no eyebrows. She she had uh, COVID and they they all they fall off. She must they have had fell it off. <laughs> she had vac- it. Vaccine gave her alopecia. Oh man, if that was a we symptom, discovered that, be all right. <laughs> we discovered that Whoopi Goldberg didn't have eyebrows last week, and we talked about it for like thirty minutes on here. You know, yeah. I think I knew that. Oh, so you're one of the ones that know. <laughs> I think I knew that. My my wife knew. I don't know. Candace was like, I don't know yeah, when I knows that." <laughs> I'm like, "When did they announce this? Like, was it on like a, a news special that I missed? Because how am I the only one that doesn't know? I'm the only one that doesn't know. I mean, we must have missed the press conference. <laughs> had to. Has she ever had eyebrows? She we, did in the color purple. She did. Yep, we, we okay. figured that out last week. Yeah. And after so that, all day, of our lives for the most part, pretty she's much, not had them. Yeah, because I mean, I don't think, I don't know if I was alive when the color purple came out. Like, when when did like, it come out? Premiered. Um, uh, that would have to be a Google search. <laughs> I'm on it. Okay, sweet. Let's see. It says the color purple film. 1985, December 18th, 1985. Yeah. I, we weren't alive. <laughs> I was actually alive. <laughs> I was alive. was alive. I'm 36. My, Mike and I weren't alive. Man, no. y'all were not alive yet. That's a shame. We, were, we weren't even ideas yet at that point. No. Oh, you might have been an idea. It just wasn't working out. I mean, you know, <laughs> like it, <laughs> it wasn't making it there. We were a That's different fair. idea. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh man. But yeah. So yeah, she has eyebrows. She doesn't. We all do. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I can't see cuz you got a hat on. Y'all can't see anyway cuz this is a podcast. Oh yeah, he's got him. He's got him people. He's got his eyebrows. He's, got eyebrows. he's uh, <laughs> Adam J Stewart has eyebrows. <laughs> Confirmed. Can yes. confirm he has eyebrows. Nice. Well, that's you know that's the that's the big thing now is um, getting your eyebrows tattooed on. It is. Well, I was watching. I think I was on a TikTok uh, and watched this girl shave off half of her eyebrows. Um, 
because she's like a special effects makeup artist uh. and like glues fake eyebrows a lot and it, she can just make better eyebrows by having half of her eyebrow gone so <laughs> man hmm. the things people do these days i don't yeah. know was it chandler i need to see chandler do that does she do that she does makeup and stuff oh i'm gonna ask her if she's ever shaved off her eyebrows that's true let's see what she says probably did for like halloween or something <laughs> had to but um, I love doing these what? interviews, man. I love doing interviews. It's our third interview of great artists, right? right? Wait a minute. Is uh, it? It is. It is our third. Is it? Our, it is our third. Yeah. I was like, how many have we done? Wait. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely our third. I guess it could feel like our fourth, but definitely our official third. No, this is. No, this is our fourth. No way. Who all? Who all have you done already? Yeah, because. We did Jesse of Love and Valor. We did Kim. And we did Jay Real. Yeah, but he wasn't really an interview, though. Was he? He was like a special guest. No, no, no. no. He was a special guest. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of talked about himself a little bit, but it wasn't like a full-on, whatever, you know, interview. Like We should have done an interview with Jay Real. It's true. <laughs> I mean, he's done a lot. You can get him back, I guess. Get him back and do an interview. Yeah, next time. Yeah, yeah. Next time. Yeah. We'll get him to get a, a better internet connection. You're just saving content for later. That's all you're doing. That's yeah, right, man. Go. This is the last episode of season two, actually. So this is big, man. Yeah. This is uh, this is our season finale. Yeah. When 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 will season three start? Uh, soon. Whenever we feel like it. <laughs> exactly. Good answer. Very Good soon. Answer. Very soon. Yeah. Very soon. <laughs> Exactly, it's gonna be and yeah. You're not not gonna pull a Tyler Mayhem Co. and wait two wait years for season. Oh, yeah, no way. To that be was, determined. That would suck. I mean, we we are in the works of doing the first episode very soon, so it's coming. It's coming. That's true. That's true. We're we've actually planned it. We planned the whole season three, and we're gonna we're gonna record the second episode or the first episode of season three very soon. Yes. But that doesn't mean it'll necessarily be posted soon. Exactly. Um, right. But this, we'll this we got to we'll go out with a bang. That's why I was glad that Mike had a friend who was super talented that wanted to actually talk to us. <laughs> um, Most of our friends don't like talking to us. Exactly. They hate uh, us. That's, that's not true. That can't be true. <laughs> oh, man. No, nah, I guess they do. I mean, they act like it, so that's nice. That's, that's all about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. It's, so... <laughs> I, let's let's just go ahead and get started here, Adam. Uh, well, I got a question for I got what? a question before we get to the first question. I got uh, this, this is the first question. He's got a point. This a is point the, five question. Yeah, a point five. Okay. Um, this is the question. How long um have you been thinking about cutting your eyebrows off? No, I'm just joking. No, that's the that's, <laughs> uh, that's the that's the first. <laughs> Not really the first question. All right. No, no, no. All right, Mike. I was really hoping. I was really hoping he was going to give you an answer. Oh, oh uh, never. Uh, <laughs> never. You just alienated like half of your fan base, probably, like because they all now want to get their eyebrows. No, that's not true. I, I'm, I'm sure I can find another five people. <laughs> oh no. You, you could you could change your look. You could like get just go for the, the alopecia look. You know. 
Well, I mean, I mean, I did shave off my beard completely a couple of months ago and just had a mustache. Wasn't a fan, so there was <laughs> I've that. that. I've done that before. It's you feel awkward. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh, well, no. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be because you don't have any. You shave your head. Well, yeah. I, what is that? Uh, that movie, Bronson. Oh, the, the one with Tom the, Hardy. Yeah, it, it kind of looked like that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be no shave. That's well, it. this December, so I guess it doesn't matter. No shave December. No. Yeah. <laughs> no shave December. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, that's not a thing. I heard I heard somebody call it something the other day, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> December? Yeah, they called December something, but I don't remember what it was. Derelict December. Derelict December for twenty twenty, that's probably accurate. <laughs> right? For sure. Oh man. But yeah. Let's get let's get into it, Mike. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it here. Yeah. So, Adam, uh, what uh, what instrument do you play? What do you what do you usually do in, in your band? Because you you had a band, Twenty Nine Horses, for a while. Are y'all still together? Right. I think we'd call that just like an extended hiatus at this point. To to be determined. Uh, I think RB, you know, the guitar player, he definitely still has it in his head that like Twenty Nine Horses is still a thing. Um, so it's one of those things where it could be picked up at any point. Um, of course, the pieces have always moved around in that anyways. So, you know, that's not, it's not where my primary focus is right now. Um, I'm mostly doing the, the solo, the solo thing right now. So, uh, and, and then doing that, like that's primarily, you know, acoustic guitar and vocals. I mean, whereas in 20 on horses, you know, it started as it started as me singing, and then I think at one point I was playing bass, and then at one point I was playing or there towards the end I was playing rhythm guitar, and uh, as far as recording goes, I recorded some bass and acoustic and electric guitar, but you know, primarily my focus is on you know guitar and singing. Mm -hmm. Got it. Singer songwriter. Yeah. No, I, I was so uh, adamant about not calling myself a singer-songwriter for, like, a year or two. Just like, that's not what I am. I, I don't, I feel like it's, uh, people are kind of full of themselves when they call themselves singer-songwriters. And then I realize that it's more of a genre thing than it is anything else. So I just kind of get in where I fit in, so to speak. Yeah, it is, and that's singer songwriter has kind of become a genre in its own. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like you play, you literally play everything in your band. <laughs> uh, you just named everything that's in it. Where, uh, <laughs> where, where, uh, uh, you know, when the need arises and I'm by myself a lot, if I want to get something done, I just do it to the best of my ability. Now, if there's something that's out of my depth or that I know that I can get somebody to do it better or more efficiently, I will outsource, but it's just easier a lot of the time to do it myself. Definitely. You can always depend on yourself most of the time. Yeah, and oh, yeah. most of the time. <laughs> and it's a learning experience. It's, it's all a learning experience. Yeah. So, um... Hey, 
Oh, go ahead. I wasn't gonna say anything. Oh, it sounded like you were about to say, "Hey," so I, but, but um, so. Hey you! Hey you! <laughs> I mean, you play a lot of stuff, so I guess I'm sure that it had to be a beginning of when you decided. Um, so how did you get into doing music, loving music, stuff like that? I mean, honestly, I've I had music around me growing up. Anyways, like my my earliest and some of my strongest memories are like riding in the back seat of like my dad's truck and him having Tom Petty on the radio, or riding with mom to go someplace. And of course, she listened to primarily you know country radio when I was younger, and so I had those songs around me all the time, and then. I would always sing, even you know when I was little. So I think that it, there was always this thing in me that's like I wanted to sing and I wanted to write songs and I wanted to perform. And I didn't really do it until I think 2008. Uh, me and my buddy JD kind of started 20 on Horses. I think we, it was called the Backwoods Terror at that point. And I started writing songs and he would play guitar to my singing, and we we recorded a few songs with a guy I worked with. He had a small studio set up in his room. And then eventually when 29 horses was a thing, Mike actually recorded our first album in my basement. I did. I uh, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we took a, we took a week when basically we'd come in at nine 30 at night and we would record until five o'clock in the morning and we recorded a whole album. It's still up. If you look 29 horses up on any of the, the streaming platforms, you can hear it. It's women, whiskey, guns, and truth. Okay. It, uh, it is my recording quality was not great. Not oh, great. It, it, it was one, it, it, one channel into audacity. I didn't have, I was a poor college student, uh, so I couldn't like actually get anything nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, showed oh, and that I had in a free all, audio software. Well, and all the instruments we were using were, you know, cheap, and yeah. you know, we we had we had each other strung out through this basement. We we would like chain looking at each other so that we would know when the part was going to chain. So <laughs> I would look one way, and another person would look another way, and so forth. It was wow. it was wild. I'm I still it's a really good memory. Uh, yeah, that was that was it, a fun time. It really was. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think we we did that recording and we were playing out then and uh as things go everybody kind of got a little bit older and priorities shifted and uh eventually i found myself in the army and uh in 2017 i believe i i picked up a guitar and started writing songs again while i was still stationed at fort hood texas and uh i actually bought the mic that i'm using right now and just started actually playing guitar and singing, which is something I hadn't done until that point. Uh, started recording just in my barracks room, and then I found an open mic in Temple, Texas, that I would just go to just to kind of perform um, on Tuesday nights. And because uh, I had never I had never performed by myself before, so that was kind of my you know breaking the ice sort of thing. Uh, and uh yeah and then eventually came back to kentucky and been trying to do it here ever since so so but how, i don't think that there's, there's go ahead i was gonna say how how's the difference how's it 
between performing by yourself for the first time and performing with the band? Um, oh man, it's uh, <laughs> uh, there's always nerves uh, with a band, um, but it's so much easier because you know that you've got you know two, three, four, however many other people up there with you to kind of. I guess really they're taking some of the attention off of you, especially where I've been a front man. Um, so you don't have to worry as much now when I do it, you know, when I do play with other performers on a stage, it's still, it's, it's way less stressful than playing by myself. But then there's this other stress of, is everybody playing the right part? Are they in sync? Are they doing everything? So there's that. But as far as like, the singer songwriter thing of getting up and playing by yourself and kind of, you know, laying your soul bare. Uh, there's nothing else but you and a guitar. Like that's, that's nerve wracking. It's gotten to a point now where it's not as bad, but my, the very first show I played by myself, I came home on leave in June of 2017 and I booked a show. Uh, I basically I rented out a gazebo and, uh, found this other band from Versailles, Kentucky to come in and play with me and just had it free and open. And I had never played like to a crowd outside of an open mic setting by myself. And I mean, I was, I was shaking like a leaf. It was, <laughs> it's, it's a trip. It's, it's not nearly as bad anymore. Every once in a while, if I'm in a new place playing for people, I don't know. Um, you know, I get a little nervous, but nothing, nothing quite like that. Yeah, I can imagine. I said that it is a lot different than than having those people just kind of like give you that extra confidence behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of like going in and doing anything else. You're always you're always going to be more confident when you have a, a team behind you, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. You know, instead of just having to stand up there and like, this is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you like it. <laughs> Cause you get all of the all the boos are only facing you, it's, it's, yeah, oh. and all the applause is also only facing you. So I don't know. It's right. <laughs> it, well, it's it, from a from a money standpoint, at the very least, it it can definitely be a lot more lucrative. Definitely uh, doing it by yourself. Um, but I mean, honestly, I think playing with a band is is more fun. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, just having the energy of those other people up there helps, and and just sonically, I think it's it's more interesting a lot of the time, um, you know, because there are things that I know that I can't do, but if I have these other guys that can, you know, the soundscape, everything about it is is much more interesting if to no one else than it is to me. So yeah, yeah, I understand that. Oh yeah, well, and like you said, any there's a band can do much more than one person on stage. Absolutely. So yeah. although, having those extra people. Although I guess that's, that's kind of, that's true. It's, it's not at the same time because I, I was it chance McCoy who plays with old crow. Now, uh, I, I saw him play in Lexington last year, I think. And of course he does his singer songwriter thing, but then he also, he's running basically half of a DJ set because he plays all the other instruments off of his computer while he's playing. So 
he has a, a quote unquote band with him, but uh-huh. it's really still just him. So I guess you can kind of fill in the gaps a little more now than you used to, but it, it's still not nearly as entertaining yeah, to me. That would just be like a recorded thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure whatever program he can run, he could probably make adjustments on the fly, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm sure it's a track. Yeah. But there, what I, like my point is there's no improvising. There's no... Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's true. Okay. You can also, people are using the foot pedal a lot now. Like one man shows, they're getting the Yeah, loop the, pedal the loop and... pedals. Yeah. I, I know several performers around here that use the loop pedal. And uh, I don't know, I don't uh, I don't think that's the, the thing for me. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people use it really well, and I've seen some people use it not so well. So Yeah, <laughs> it, it can be a train wreck. I mean, if they don't know what they're doing, they, they need to practice that thing 24-7 for months. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm I'm one of the world's worst about, you know, not practicing. So oh. it just wouldn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said around here, I, I think we did forget to mention that you are, you're based out of Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, well, central Kentucky for the yeah. most part. I mean. And nobody ever heard of Stamping Ground, so. No, no. <laughs> Though, true story, when I was in Korea for eight months, there was one other guy on the peninsula that was from Stamping Ground that was in the Army, which seems really strange. Did you know him? No, never met him. I, somebody just told me that their relative was over there. Is, is it a big town? Or is it, of course, probably a small town. Oh, no. Oh, no, <laughs> Stamping Ground, I think... Uh, I think the population, as far as in city limits, was it's it's around six hundred people. Wow. Uh, there's there's no stoplight. Okay. Yeah. That's they pretty... just got a Dollar General. What was it, about three or four years ago? I think it was. I was still in the army, I, so it was probably 2016, 2015, maybe. Yeah. Man, I think that's so cool because uh, I really miss growing up where you had a lot of like. Um, locally owned shops that supplied all the things that you needed instead of one big box store, you know? I kind of I kind of miss that type of town whereas everybody knows everybody and more people can thrive off the American dream, you know what I mean, than just Walmart <laughs> or, or Dollar Tree. I I'd have to say I, I I like that sort of thing, but Georgetown and and Stamping Ground are kind of Kind of, sort of, not like that, really. I mean, oh, no. I think Georgetown. Of, it, uh... it used to be more that way, but when when we were little kids, but especially I remember when we were like in high school and stuff when we were coming up, it was mainly just like we had a Walmart and a Lowe's, and that was it. All the local yeah. business kind of. There was a Win Dixie. There was a Win Dixie. Yeah. Oh, there was uh, a Win Dixie. Yeah. But but that shut down and was replaced with Big Lots. Yeah, but I mean that that building stayed vacant for years and years and years after. That's true. Yeah, that's but true. But of course, there's there's also the the part of that where I'm a tr- I'm a transplant even here. You know, my family outside of my mom and dad, uh, all of my family is in Somerset, Kentucky. Okay. So as far as like everybody knowing everybody and just uh, that sort of thing, like I didn't really have any family around here uh, outside of mom and dad. So. Yeah. And I spent more time in Stamping Ground. In Georgetown, I feel like, would be more of the, the social town. Um, outside of working at the 
stand like the local grocery store when I was in high school in Stamping Ground. Then I, I that was when I kind of met more of the actual Stamping Ground locals. Right. And Stamping Ground in Georgetown, they're both Georgetown's the county seat of Scott County, and Stamping Ground's about eight miles away or so. Yeah. It's but it's not like it's not you don't realize when you go to Stamping Ground, it's not like a far trip to go, you know. No. Hmm. No, but it's it's like a whole different world going it from is. Georgetown to Stamping Ground. Uh, just stopped. with Stamping Ground being so as rural as what it is. Yeah, like you leave Georgetown and you're you're in the middle of nowhere for for eight miles until you get to Stamping Ground, and then there's a school, <laughs> a grocery store, and a gas station, and then yep. you're out of Stamping Ground. Man, and now and now a Dollar General. Yeah, and, and now the Dollar General. Which sells everything yeah, that General. you need. There's everything that you need at Dollar General. I mean, it has to be. They they just started selling produce, so that's, uh, yeah, kind of correct now. <laughs> there you go. And their prices are not cheap either. I mean, you you would think it would be some great deals. But yeah. I guess they know. No, they, I huh? actually compared it one time, and it was cheaper to just to go to Walmart than it was to go to Dollar General. Definitely. Get the same stuff. Well, not, I mean, I guess... Not for me because I would have to spend the gas to get to the Walmart. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm saying just like a side by side compare. <laughs> right. Ordering online at the Dollar General. They have oh, online ordering at Dollar General. I, I don't know <laughs> if you can or not. Honestly, oh. I just I just came up with that. I said that that's pretty legit. <laughs> Curbside pickup at the Dollar General. You know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, especially right now. Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Oh, yeah, you can totally order online at Dollar General. They got a shopping cart on their website. Man, they're moving up. Yeah. Yeah, that's fancy. Dollar General's, when I was young, used to be so dirty, man. Like, the floors were dirty. It it smelled bad in there. (laughs) They must have been purchased by somebody. Do you remember? We had our Dollar General, and it was over in Indian Acres, and it was the nastiest store in town. (laughs) <laughs> See, I, I'm sure that I went. I'm sure that I went in that Dollar General at some point when I was younger. The thing that I remember in that shopping center that you're talking about is when I was real little. There was a Mexican restaurant over there, and me and Dad would go eat, and and we stopped going because he because you could see back into the kitchen from the dining area, and we stopped going because he saw somebody shaving in the kitchen one night. Oh my goodness. So, so that was the same area as the Dollar General, so it kind of, you know, it was tracks. It right, was it right next to the subway? Probably. I don't. I don't. I think I ate at that Mexican restaurant. I think oh, I remember. I'm sure you. I'm I think sure it was I did, probably. Yeah. It's probably the only Mexican restaurant in town at that point. Yeah. So. Georgetown wasn't a very diverse community for the longest time. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that about a lot of places in America. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Yeah, right. But I feel like I mean, the food—the I mean, well, food is one of the first things that comes in to places. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, the population of Georgetown—it was kind of diverse because Georgetown had um, Toyota. Yeah. Okay. And it's—it only gets—it only gets more diverse. Except, well, now of course we've got a lot of people coming in from Eastern Kentucky with. Because there are no jobs in Eastern Kentucky, so everybody moves to Central Kentucky to work at Toyota. Mm. So, a lot but of I people. Can remember... Do I? Do it. Oh, <laughs> after you. 
I, I, well, I was going to say, I, I don't ever remember, like, growing up, ever meeting so many people from Eastern Kentucky until I got out of the Army and came back. And now it feels like everybody I know is from Hazard or Whitesburg or anything mm-hmm. like that. All the people I hang out with seems like they're all Eastern Kentuckians, which is fine. Just I never really met anybody uh, until recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember growing up and thinking, like, Eastern Kentucky was such a – it was a far imaginary place or something. Wow. I mean, it is a, kind of a far place in a way. <laughs> I remember my my parents have a a good friend who they went who was who's from Scott County, and but he had moved he's a te- he was a teacher and they moved to uh, Pike County, and they came they would come back for visits and I re- I'll, I'll never forget one time, uh, he said, they were it was it was the middle of summer and he said, Miss Angela Angela is my mom Miss Angela can I have a piece of ice to chew on and I said mom <laughs> he just said a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was just, I, I was so confused and appalled that he, my mom was like, "Yeah, giving him a piece of ice, and he wanted a piece of ass." And I, I was like, "What is he talking about?" You got to draw out that eye. Pie yeah, hot. But I mean, Eastern <laughs> Kentucky is such a different place than even Central Kentucky because I mean, we have there's a certain Central Kentucky accent. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, and there's there's definitely an Eastern Kentucky accent. Very much. I so. mean, well, the, the Appalachian accent is, I think, supposed to be as close to Victorian English as anywhere in the world. <laughs> really? Just, yeah. yeah, just from wow. where it's it, it's been so um, oh secluded from everything else. Okay, that... and it's it's their vernacular, their their vocabulary also. Like yeah. the words that they use specifically. Hmm. I gotta look that up online it's, now. I gotta see what it's about. I I don't know if I heard anybody talk like that, unless they were acting. You know what I mean? Like, which they're probably not doing it correctly if they're acting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> some of some of the stuff you'll hear a, a native Appalachian come up with, you you can't understand them. Okay. But... Yeah. It's it's a whole other way of speaking. Yes, it is. It's very different than anything else. And even well, like it's anywhere you go. Like here in Central Virginia, there's a very distinct accent. Also, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's like and very southern. Greg, mm-hmm. And Greg, you've probably even noticed a difference from Central Virginia to to like where you're from, to Portsmouth, and everything. Facts. Yeah, it's like honestly, in in Hampton Roads, where I'm from, it's. I feel like people are a mix of like the East Coast and the South, you know? So it's like you'll hear a very Southern accent in the same sentence as a very like New York accent, you know? It's it's so weird. I can, I can see that. But then moving down I here, remember, it's not like that. <laughs> I, just, I just remember being when I was in the Army, some guy thinking that I was from South Carolina. So I guess the Central Kentucky accent sounds in some way like a South Carolinian accent. Who knows? Yeah. It's all South. It's all uh, South. Yeah. yeah. Even though Deep South, it gets really un- under hard to understand sometimes when they're like, when they really go in, you know? Um, yeah. But. Oh, yeah. When you get, when you get to like more, sec- like more rural secluded areas, definitely. 
like New Orleans or New Orleans. Oh, well, I, I, I think even in somewhere like Atlanta, mm-hmm. depending on what part of Atlanta you're in, same yeah, thing. That's true. Yeah. Well, in New Orleans, like you said, that has a very a French influence too, a Creole. Right. So that's completely different than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. But um, man, we got way off track. We, should, uh, like we always do. Yeah, we do that a lot. We, we gotta we gotta get Judah back in here and keep us on track. Yeah. Where's Judah with the hey guys? Hey, exactly. Stay, He's a, stay the list. Stay He's the our, list. our timekeeper. We gotta get him back on. If you're listening, Judah, come on back, man. I don't. You probably aren't listening because he says he listens, but I don't He's know. Too busy no. playing just now. Yeah, that's that's right. That dude is over there living his best life. Proud of him, though. <laughs> if he is listening, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> Go do your thing. But um, so anyway, let, yeah, yeah, let's get back to him. Let's get back. To him. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, who are your your biggest heroes in music? Like, who do you try to emulate? I, you know, for the longest time, it was it was Ben Nichols from Lucero. Um, hmm. And I, I guess I, yeah, I guess there's still some of that there. I, Tom Petty um, was is I guess I guess one of those that like I didn't realize that I've been trying to emulate Tom Petty, uh, but I really think about it. I'm like, oh no! Like I, I this is this has been a an ongoing thing. Um, outside of that, like I I really have gotten into Bruce Springsteen in the last year or so. Um, hmm. Just did a a deep dive on Bruce. Um, Johnny Cash, uh, yeah, maybe not so much from a a musical standpoint, but is is just a career standpoint in a way. Nice. Um, but I, I I don't know. I'd say I'd say the the top three are probably uh, in any given order: Ben Nichols, Tom Petty, and uh, Bruce Springsteen. And there's I mean there's the I could sit here and just list and list and list, but that's <laughs> that's probably the big three for me. Yeah, when you say Tom Petty, I always, when I think of Tom Petty, he's like a legend on the podcast because this man started off in the bottom, like, what, top, in the 80 for the top 100 yeah, list. Yeah, he was, we, 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 we rearranged the Rolling Stone top 100 list, and he went from oh, what, like, whatever he was, 90 or something, and yeah. he just kept moving up every time. Every single time he <laughs> moved up, and he, he's a legend. He, he probably would have moved up again. I think he made it to the top 40s. If I'm not mistaken. From I think he did. From I'll, I'll look that up here. <laughs> but Petty uh, was just—he was such a craftsman with his songwriting. Like he—he he knew what worked, and that's exactly what he did. And just the whole his whole aura of like being this really cool, like calm, down to earth guy, and then to find out that like he's in the background, you know, fighting all these battles for musicians and yeah. and that sort of thing, like just a, a cool dude it's a it's a shame that we lost him yeah uh, yeah you know when we did it is so would you say i'm kind of skipping the questions a little bit but would you say um that you base your sound around those three guys that you named like that's, is that how you would describe your sound I, that's a hard question um <laughs> I'd say to some extent, uh, as, as far as, especially in song structure, I, I think I, I do, as far as petty goes, um, I'm the world's worst about writing a bridge in a song. I just, I don't do it. 
95% of the time. I like leaving, it's in my head when it, most of the time when I write a song, I leave uh, air for a solo because in my head I'm writing for a full band, not for me by gotcha. myself on a stage. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's kind of the model. Um, Springsteen's writing as far as structure is a little more complex, uh, mm. but like Petty, I think especially, um, there's there's some reminiscent stuff. I, and it's one of these things where, where I have to describe my sound is so tough because when I was playing in Texas, everybody that I would show my, my home recordings to were like, oh, that's country. Mm-hmm. And then I, they nominated me for an Appalachian Music Award up here uh, this year, and they put me in the rock category. So it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know what I am. I, I don't know what my sound is. I just I just write my words and I, I sing them how I how I can get them out. <laughs> yeah. Would you can, I can say saying like somebody like Bruce Springsteen, who was in my mind, wrote a lot of like, he tried to write a lot of pop, like anthem type of songs. It wasn't, I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily about like the substance of a song more than just, let me go and make something people are going to just going to sell or that's going to reach the top. Do you think you are more that way or more on the other side of just wanting the, the pure form of the art? I mean, I think I think I'm somewhere in between. But the as far as songwriting goes, like it is damn near impossible for me to sit down and write a song that I don't absolutely feel. Um, okay. You know, that's that's to my own detriment because I get most of my writing done when I'm, you know, just depressed as I can be. Right. Uh, you know, directly after something happening. So. I guess as far as art goes, it's that it's, it's, I think in a lot of ways it's more therapy for me than anything else. Um, but as, as far as like, you know, I, I do have some pop sensibility about it too. Like, okay. Would somebody like this, like I'm writing it for me, but I, I'm never going to intentionally, I, I want to write something that other people want to listen to. Gotcha. Uh, so there, there is that. That's I guess that's always the battle because I mean like so what do, like what do we what do artists do music for I guess that's the thing like what do you are you do, do you want to be famous you know what I mean or like do you or do you just want people to hear what you have to say type of thing I guess that's like the Springsteen I, Tom Petty thing I don't know yeah and I th- well I think you know especially those guys in their era like bands still had the ability. An artist still had the ability to say something in their music and be the biggest band in the world. It's true. And like that, I mean, that model doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah. No. You know, in a, a day and age when social media platforms can make or break a song or an artist or whatever, right. um, you know, and it's it's hard to, you know, you, you can't live off of album sales anymore unless you're, you know, already a multi-platinum selling artist you know you you really have to get out on the road and and tour and make your money off merch sales and ticket sales and that sort of thing yeah so well that, no one buys models model, anymore no no um it, you know except for your your hardcore people that that will go to a show and buy the cd or your vinyl collectors that will buy the vinyl 
I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I, I don't remember the last time I bought a CD. If it, if it was anybody's, I'm sure it's been somebody local that I've bought. Um, you know, I, I stream, I stream pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, it's just so, it's so much more convenient. I know it doesn't pay yeah. anything because I'm on there and I know I've, I've seen what I'm getting paid off of it. I know exactly how it pays. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame. You know, I'd, I'd it, like it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it, man. I mean, I'm, I, I, I love it and I hate it. I love the fact that it gives more people the opportunity to have their music heard, you know, but yeah. And that's kind of how I, I had to look at it is this is just another platform to make the music available everywhere. Um, so it may not get listened to, but it's there. Uh, yeah. So you just kind of, I think in a way, as far as, as being a musician right now, you, if you're doing it just for the money, uh, you're, you're, you're in it for the wrong reason you're gonna burn out yeah um, well it, it's, a, it's a social media and music is a double-edged sword like yes it takes away from album sales because it's so much easier and more convenient to stream mm-hmm. but at the same time it's so much easier to get your music to a broader spectrum of people than it was before because they, they don't have to go buy something to listen to it they don't have to go Absolutely. buy a whole, a whole album to listen to one or two tracks they can just right. listen to it on spotify yeah, it'll be great yep. when they start to actually make the percent the percentage for streaming it varies depending on which medium is playing your music like Spotify is different from yeah. Apple Music um but yeah I, I, it it's like it's like less than a penny it's uh 0. 0.007 exactly um <laughs> for Spotify I think it's I think it's about double that on Apple I know that title pays out the most, but yeah, I, do. I have never met a title user uh, selling an album, a nine dollar ninety nine cent album on iTunes, still pays out. I think seven ninety nine to the artist. So downloads, yeah. you know, if you download off of iTunes or Apple Music, whatever it is, that still pays out pretty well. Definitely. But as far as as far as streaming, it's yeah, it it's nothing. It's not. It's not good, man. I I dropped a song. Uh, I don't know this year sometime, and I have about two hundred and six thousand um, mm-hmm. streams, and I mean that sounds great, but it's not. I'm still broke. <laughs> not as, yeah, like I'm saying, it really you're not getting anything. You literally. Oh not, yeah. Yeah. So. It, it's it's nothing. No. Um, it's. It's it's all got to be off live performances and merch sales. Yeah. And right now in the year in the year 2020 with COVID-19, you know. Yeah. Nobody's making nobody's playing. I think I've I think I've played maybe 5 6 shows this year. Man. It's tough. Has that really has the pandemic really limited your ability to to get yourself out there and has it has it a limited your creativity process also like have I, you have you done less writing because you've done less playing i i believe so i mean i released an ep back in march which was really before it was right before everything shut down um you know i i think i had at that point i think i only had two shows booked for the year but one of them would have been a bigger show uh and of course 
we got shut down that canceled that and i mean i yeah like i i haven't finished a song all year long uh i finally just in the past week have managed to get three three quarters of one done um i've got the beginnings of another it's it's kind of starting to come back to me at this point but i mean i've not been productive whatsoever uh during the pandemic i i think you know not being able to get out and and do things and be around people um I think I'm a little bit more of an extrovert than I give myself credit for because I think that fuels me a little more than what I ever realized. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's it's definitely hurt. Yeah, I know. At least for, for me, I had a big list of stuff, all the stuff I, I thought I'd accomplished during the shutdown, and I didn't do any of it. All I've done is teach it. myself how to fry chicken. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I've, I've eaten a lot of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I've honestly, I think I'm a little different in that place because I think I've gotten more done outside of like working than I ever would have done if the quarantine didn't, if the pandemic didn't make us have to shut down our regular lives for a second. I feel like it really helped me do other things. I don't know. Um, but of course, it's, I'm not trying to go out there and book shows with everything being shut right. down either, you know? So I can see how that nobody's open. So yeah. You can't really. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, since, or in the last, uh, since September. So since the end of September, I've played out, I want to say six times, but already, you know, then we just had a secondary shutdown for the last, I think two weeks, two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, which I had, I actually had one booked within that time period and it got canceled, which I was kind of okay with. Uh, but I think I've already got two booked for January. Um, so hopefully as this vaccine gets rolled out and COVID kind of goes away, I can get out and get playing more. And hopefully that helps my, my creativity, if not my productivity. So before COVID, what was your, uh, how did you develop your songs? Other than, I know you said you had to be super depressed. I know you weren't super depressed like for <laughs> your whole life. So it had to be like, what did you? Well, <laughs> I mean, we, we can go down a whole mental health journey if we want to do that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a chronic major depressive sufferer. So yeah, kind of. You have 17 kinda albums. all my life. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I think if I actually went back and went through notebooks, that might be true. Oh, um, but uh, I don't know. It, it, I think early on, you know, when I was 18, 19, um, I wrote all the time. Uh, I, you know, however good it was, I wrote all the time. And then as far as when I came back into writing in 2017, you know, I had, I'd had just the worst thing happen to me at the beginning of the year. And I, I just felt like I had all this stuff that I needed to say for me. And, uh, that, that's just kind of where it came out from. And realistically, I was probably saying the same thing just in different ways in almost every song. Gotcha. Um, but you know, I, 
as I've done it more and kind of blossomed as a uh, performer and a guitarist and, and a singer, um, you know, I, I think my writing has improved in, in different ways. Um, but it's, it's just kind of whatever, whatever thing I, I feel like I have to say at any given time. Um, I've, I've been able to write out from outside of myself as well, uh, which is something that I've, I really had trouble with. And it's, it's just kind of, for me, it's, it's taking something that's happening maybe to someone else and twisting it into a perspective that, that I can write about it and sing about it. Yeah. I don't know. It, there's no, there's no definite answer on how I do it. It's just kind of, you know, I, I, I could probably do with, with uh, doing a little research, a little more research and learning on the craft, you know, outside of just, I just kind of wing it. I just kind of do it. Swing it. Hey, it works. Whatever feels right at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It Keep works. it simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... And I'd say, too, like, the more you do it, the more you learn about yourself and the about your process. So you can really... Like, you'll start out with 16 love songs and hone that down to, like, two or three because you can take what works out of each one. Right. Yeah. And, I, and that, was, that was something that I, I did a lot is I, I would have... I still do... I, I'll have a line come into my head. I'll get three quarters of a song written off of it as far as lyrics go. And when I go to actually play it on guitar, I can't find anything I like out of it as far as any chords or keys or whatever. And so I'll just put it down and then I'll start writing another song, get halfway in, realize there's a line in this other thing that I haven't finished, pull that from there, put it here. You know, it's kind of like building a model kit or a, a Lego set, you know. <laughs> Built, you're building a house. Yeah, and you're just taking parts from wherever. That's now, did true. you ever have any, um, like musicians that you played with that maybe had a little more experience, or uh, just like other people around you that would had given you any advice or anything about playing music? I mean, I, yeah, I, I've played with people that you know, that it, more or less. Anytime I go into a room with another musician, I just automatically have this thing where it's like, I know you have more experience than I do with given exceptions when I know that's not true. Right. Um, but as far as like asking for advice or having been given advice, I think it's been more on, on the business end of things. Um, you know, cause creatively I, I feel like there's a thing that I do and I feel like I'm okay at it and trying to, alter that might screw it up um hmm. you know I, there's joe pug there's a podcast called the working songwriter and you know basically it's it's an interview format show with just different songwriters and he asks them about their their writing processes and i've, I've listened to almost all of those episodes and there are people that you know they get up in the morning and they sit down at a desk to write songs and I, I, I've tried to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and write a song and I, I can't make myself do it. I, right. I could come up with a, a line or, you know, whatever, but because I'm forcing it out of myself, mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't feel right. Um, feels like a job. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. When you're forcing and, yourself to do something, you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, if I, if I'm just able to write it 
and it, there's something that hits me about it to where I do feel inspired. That's that's the way I want that creative process to work because once it it hits me, it's like okay, I can just get this done right now. Yeah. Because I mean, there are songs that I've written literally in 15 minutes driving from Georgetown to Stamping Ground, and because of that, they're not complicated. They're very straightforward, and they work. Mm. Uh, whereas if I sit and I work on something for hours at one time, you, you know, I, I have made a job out of it, and mm. I will be so exhausted from it that it's I, I probably just don't want to even mess with it anymore. So, do you? Why do you think that is that you that you can't sit down and, and do it, or that you aren't as good at it? Do you think you're overthinking it, or what? What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm sure that I'm overthinking it, but I I mean I, I realistically I think it's probably just a, a personality trait within me because every everybody for the most part writes differently. That that is one takeaway that I have I've gotten from listening to that podcast and then you know kind of hearing how other people write. I mean there are a lot of other singer songwriters, um, you know I would say at my level that have done you know songwriting workshops and. And gone on songwriting retreats and right. all, all these other things. And and like, in a way, that sounds neat to me. In another way, I kind of, when I when I do write songs, you know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm going to the secret lab and I'm just going to do the thing. Mm. Uh, it, again, it's, it's like that therapeutic thing. Like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to get these songs out of me. And then I have them. And then the next step from there is like, now I have to go play them. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm just getting to a point in, in my life where I feel like I could actually sit down and write with other people. Hmm. Um, I mean, as far as the music part of it, the instrumentation part of it, I've always been able to do that. But as far as words and like co-writing a song, I think I could do it now. Um, but and then for all, I mean, because for a long time I just felt like there's not really anything that I have to offer when helping somebody write a song, which I it's probably a fallacy. Right, definitely. Well, you have to be comfortable with your own process too. To yeah, help someone absolutely. else. Absolutely. But on the other side of that, that the greatest way to the best way to learn how to do something is to teach. To teach. Yeah. Cause you learn so much. Yeah. Yeah. From, yeah. That's true. Or do some collabs, man. Do some, I mean, a lot of times, like one of my best friends now, we, um, we both come in with different like styles of, of how we did things as far as musically. And then when you sit there and collab together, you, you learn, you always learn something new. And later on you find yourself now doing not even, I guess not even thinking about it, but now it's a part of your repertoire. So, I mean, Maybe collab with someone yeah. who has a different writing process than you. And then you guys can like hit off on each other and, you know, get better. Superpowers. <laughs> Not well, hit I off. Think, uh, you know what I'm saying? I see Mike's face. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I was just going to ignore it. I, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't I was, going to say anything. I wasn't uh, going <laughs> me away and then i thought i'm not gonna say anything that'll be a song yeah, right there that's, that's definitely a country ride. song no <laughs> that's the title of it that's the title right there no <laughs> yikes whoa parental parental advisory this on have, that one. have to be explicit content one 
That's a, yeah. <laughs> like Frank and Dean. It's, it's the a, only explicit content. It's a Wheeler Walker song. <laughs> oh man. But um just to just to not keep going too deep into that hole. Um <laughs> do you feel I mean what in the world? do you feel like the internet and um the, the <laughs> As he tries to regain I'm sorry. his composure. I'm sorry. Composure. You feel like the internet. Take a breath, reset. Yeah. I got to get a drink. I don't have anything. I, I keep forgetting <laughs> to bring something to drink when I do these podcasts. <laughs> but um, so have you? How do you, do you feel like the internet and like the uh, social media age has benefited your um your your growth as an artist? Yes, uh, yes, and no. I mean. The internet is the, the the best and worst thing, you know, we as a society have had come along in the last 30 years. Um, you know, there is so much opportunity to get music out there and have it be heard and be seen. Um, I mean, think about even, even during the pandemic, how many lives, you know, artists were able to do live streams as kind of a alternative to playing live. Um, which I did, I did several at the beginning of the year uh, when the shutdown happened. But as far as the benefit for me, I think I really, really feel like most of the really good things that have happened as far as musically with me have probably come from being out and playing and being amongst people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can you can sit behind a computer all day long uh, trying to push your music but unless you know exactly what you're doing and you're able to basically make a job out of running the social media platforms you know you're you're going to be spinning your wheels unless you are well that's not even true uh i was going to say if you're some sort of phenom Hmm. um you could be heard but i mean we all probably know that there's a bedroom guitarist somewhere that is the best guitarist anybody's ever heard. Yeah. But nobody's heard of him because he's in his bedroom. And even if you put it on the internet, he it might never go anywhere. That's true. Um, so it's it's a double edged sword. I think I think there's opportunity for it, but I think in another way it almost complicates it uh, more than it needs to be outside of just just going outside or going to a venue or going to an open mic and just just playing. I think I think open mics have been the the best thing for me uh, at this point mm-hmm. as far as especially restarting the whole thing being able to go out and just work that material in front of mostly other musicians and bartenders uh, I yeah. think that was that was my favorite thing you gain it and gaining fans do you see yourself gaining more fans yeah yeah um, you know there you know there have definitely been some I probably have gained over social media but mostly in person stuff uh i think i sell myself better in person because i'm just i'm not a social media manager and mm-hmm. you know it's one of these things where i know that i could do it but again it's it's making a job out of it and i just i, I don't feel like fine with it Facts. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh man yeah we we kind of need a we kind of we, we, we gotta do that we gotta definitely call her um, <laughs> and get that going oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not Such the best pain. social media manager there is. But you're doing a good job. Let's just say job. that. 
I mean, you're posting, you're doing a good job. I guess you just gotta, we just gotta continue to build. It's, that's the hardest part. It's like, you never, nobody knows what's gonna be the next viral sensation and how it's gonna happen. Yeah. People just put stuff out and the right well, person shares it. I don't know. <laughs> with social media too, like, especially with, with what Greg, you and I are doing and with, with what Adam's doing with his music, you have to have that content there to have something to post also. Yeah. Yeah. Something well, there's people. also it's like if if you're if you're looking for viral success, like that's one thing. But there's there's also the let's build this thing and let's find our niche mm-hmm. and have a sustainable niche of people that will come. You just you, you build your audience, and if you can build your audience comfortably, then you don't necessarily have to worry about ever going viral. Um, yeah. I don't know that anybody understands how viral success happens. It just right. kind of some kid on TikTok sees something one day, and the next day it's you know, five million views and yeah. six million likes. Who knows? It's just how quickly you know the internet information can move quicker than it can, you know, not without the without the internet. Because you know, back in the days, yeah. if, if a band would be like the best band in Kentucky and we wouldn't know it until a radio DJ happened to pass it to like a, you know, a bigger city or something. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think in a lot of ways it, it, you know, again, it, it does make it easier to get your self heard. Um, you just have to get it. To, you always have to find the right person that's willing to listen to something. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's the, the trick of it. Uh, well, and like we said earlier, it's it's a lot easier to get heard, but if you're trying to make a career of it, it's a lot harder to make that career because you're just being heard. Right. Yeah. Pe- people are so on to the next. It's hard to build solid, like, oh, foundation yeah. of fans, legions of fans forever mm-hmm. and ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, as a, we as a culture suf- suffer from a very short attention span. Yes. So... Now I will say that I think Spotify has helped a lot with that because like where they suggest new artists for you that they think you'd like or um even the stuff that artists that I've I've known of forever but I'd never really listened to their stuff that I've listened to on Spotify and then gone out and bought some of their albums. Well, yeah. so I think it helps. I think it I think it helps with a certain age group or a fans of certain genres. Um or just re- like realistically actual quote unquote music fans, people who will go out and buy albums. Yeah. Not or, just the cas- know, like listen. casual listeners. Yeah. Because, because from a, you know, really looking at it, people listen to singles and they buy, or they don't necessarily buy singles, but they will go to an album and download the one song. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's usually what blows up. So, you know, as far as like the, the audience that you probably actually want to reach that are, are going to be the people that always listen or always come to the show or always buy the things. Um, yes. Spotify with the recommended playlists and the curated playlists and yeah. uh, the, the weekly or daily playlists they generate. It does help in that regard for those type of people. But I think you're, your normal person who maybe just listens to music driving to and from their job. And that's all the, the music listening they get for the day yeah. or when they're at a bar or uh, a club or whatever, that's, I mean, that's going to be 
the flash and paying short attention span people. But there's always been people like that. Like before Spotify, before Pandora, before Napster, those were the people who were just listening to the radio and not necessarily going out and buying the albums. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's fair, but the you know, those are those are still Spotify users now. A whole lot of them. Yeah. Especially uh with with pop music I think is is really where you see that a lot. People don't buy albums, they they hear a song, you know, a viral video, and that, that song and that video will blow up. Yeah. Um, I think it I think you know, recently I think that happened with, with uh Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Was it Dreams? There was a viral video and like it that song ended up shooting up to number one on Billboard and who knows the last time that it was even in the charts. Yeah. Because video with that song went viral. Oh, was that the video with the guy drinking the juice on, on his way to work or something? Yeah, on the skateboard. And I know it's Fleetwood Mac. I can't remember which song it is, though. I think it is Dreams, yeah. Is it, is it Dreams? It's a great song. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's Dreams. I feel like people... I people are quick to not not buy full albums because people aren't making complete good albums anymore it's like the focus is always on the single and the rest of the album is like mediocre yeah. at best so you're wasting That's your true. money I mean, absolutely yeah. well and it's 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 that spotify business model too where when you're when you go in to record an album mixtape whatever it is you have to look at it like we're gonna put out because a normal album, you would, you know, I think of an album as anywhere between nine to thirteen songs. That's that's a comfortable album yeah. for me. Um, you know, little little bit either direction on that. But in in the day and age where if you're going to release an album on Spotify, you know, it almost pays to release. 25 20 songs all at once <laughs> and if somebody leaves that album just turned on and they play all the way through it well you've got more streams and than you would have if you had released a 9 to 13 song album so i think i think a lot of artists are going for a a quantity over quality sort of thing yeah as far as releasing albums the, the art of the album is kind of lost at this point um so trash especially in the mainstream oh absolutely <laughs> uh, you know and I, I love listening to albums you know front to back uh but i have i've i've found newer albums where it's just like the single's really good <laughs> and then the, the rest of it's okay yeah yeah that's i've i've been very disappointed with like i've heard something on the like on spotify like i've heard an artist on spotify and I won't mention which artist this, this, you know, but like, <laughs> I'll listen to them, a couple of their songs. I'm like, yeah, every their songs are great. And I'll go buy the album. And those two, three songs are, are, are great. The only good song. But that's really, that's, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the album is, um, well, I'm kind of disappointed I bought that album. But they win because you just bought the album. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. their yeah. job has been yeah. done <laughs> for sure. And then you go to the show. And wait for those three songs, and, yeah, right? and go home. <laughs> they, they they pulled the bait and switch on you. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's. I, mean, I feel like an album has to. You ha you got to have a vision for your album 
initially before you even start i feel like have a vision have a theme so that it can flow like the rock albums of the past all felt good they flowed good you know and especially you think of bands like pink floyd where it's so musical even the music transitioned perfectly throughout the, the album you just can't find that too much anymore for real maybe the muse is doing it maybe muse muse is probably doing it um i think that I really, I really think that there are, there's more than one way to to build the perfect house, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think going in with a blueprint and a plan, you you can make those really cohesive albums like like Pink Floyd has, has made. But then there's there's also something to be said about going in with nothing written and uh, and no plan and and building the house that way. Uh, I think as far as what I did on at least one of the albums, um, I had all these songs and then I, I realized that there there's a story that could be told through the songs. They weren't written to all go together, mm. but if I arranged them in a certain way, then there's a story that I had in my head that, that was told track by track. Gotcha. Um, so I think there's, there's more than one way to, to assemble that. Yeah. Um you know, definitely going in with a blueprint and knowing where this part's going to go, but I also think that a, a good producer can uh, put it together. Can can put it together too. That's true. If the raw components are there, a, a producer will a good producer will be able to pull them out. And there are some some artists who are still doing that. Like oh, yeah. doing a whole conceptual album. But there's yeah. not yeah. there's yeah. not as many anymore. Definitely not. It's it's definitely something Definitely something you see on, you know, your your theater level bands. Your that that sort of thing. That's that's where you see most of those uh conceptual albums. Murder yeah. by Death being the the big yeah, that's what orbiter. that's the, the band that's keeps keeps coming sticking out to me is Murder by Death because all of their albums are conceptual. Except and for the Christmas like, album. It's, well, that's, that's Christmas. That's the concept. Is Christmas? It's facts. That's, that's <laughs> pretty pretty close. Yeah. So do you do you work with a producer? I know you mentioned a producer. Like, do you or are you do you do it all like yourself? I I I do it all myself. I'm cheap. <laughs> I, I I now I I recently had the thought of uh, reaching out to one of the guys that's in a a band around here who's a fantastic musician that I think. If he were to produce something for me, I think he could really pull it out of me. Uh, but I thought about reaching out to him whenever I decide I'm going to record again. Um, nice. I did, so I have considered it. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, I mean, even the Beatles needed a producer. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's. I listened. Mike showed me. Stop. I think you played one song for me of his. Was it one or two? One the other day. I I, I don't remember. I think it was two or three, wasn't it? <laughs> we listened kept... to some of your stuff. Yeah, the point we... of it is we listened to some of your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely did. We kept getting interrupted, though. I don't think people – because the phone kept ringing. That's what it was. That was the same day where that phone kept yeah. ringing crazy loud. Someone had left had left their cell phone in the office and we were sitting there trying to listen to you and his phone just kept going off and going off, off. and going off. <laughs> it's funny. Just throw the phone out the window. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. But no, we were less, I was listening my first time hearing and it's like, 
I can definitely feel that you had emotion in there. And we instantly said that is a person you should collab with. We both were like, yeah, it's this guy. But we'll get to that later, I guess. We can talk about it yeah. now, but well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, check out check out Love and Valor. Love and Valor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think y'all would. Speaking of collabing early, late, early on, I don't know. I forgot. I don't. Well, he said his process is a little different from your process. So I mean, if y'all were to get together and kind of vibe, once you hear Love and Valor, you'll you'll definitely understand why we say that you guys could probably do something good together. I got you. I just followed him on Spotify, so. Uh oh, that's good. I'll remember it. One stream point zero zero seven, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> seven, <laughs> yeah, seven cents. Point zero zero seven of a cent. Yes, of a cent. That's what it is. Of a cent. Yeah. Well, man, I've lived, I've been listening to some of your stuff since that, since then. So you probably got like a a whole nickel from me already. You might have a penny. I mean, you, you, how many times have you listened? You got to listen to it at least, what, a hundred times? <laughs> no, ten times. Ten times. A little ten over times. ten times. Yeah, a little, yeah. a little over ten times. Yeah. What is hey, this? That's it's a penny I didn't have. That's true. Just put it on repeat and just walk away from your phone and just leave it on playing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you leave the volume on because Spotify can tell if you're doing that. Oh man, it. we would never do that, Spotify. You know, I, my Spotify, if I don't on my phone, if I don't touch it for twenty minutes, it cuts itself. Like the the app shuts down. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I it's a setting it, right? somewhere or what, but it's the like the weirdest thing. It'll just shut that's itself gotta down. Be, that's got to be a settings thing because I I leave mine playing podcasts in the background all the time, and it it never does that. Yeah, you you got yeah definitely. You probably um does it does it even phone ask broke. you a question first? Does it ask you like? Like Netflix, no, it's are not, you not, still? <laughs> are you still watching? Yeah. No. no, no, no. But my iPod, like I typically listen to music or podcasts on my I have an iPod. I rarely do it on my phone. Um, and, but it doesn't do that. It it'll just play forever. But my phone, yeah, twenty minutes and then it shuts itself off. Hmm. Yeah, it's got to be something in settings. Yeah. Or Who your knows? phone just broke. My phone's just a piece of crap. Yeah. More than likely, you got to go to Dollar General. Or whatever it is. Get yeah, a new, get a new phone. Get a new phone. <laughs> the dollar store? Yeah. It's a dollar? It's so, a dollar store phone. So this has got to be the biggest question of this whole interview, Adam. Okay. Do you, think, yeah. do you, do you sing in the shower? No. <laughs> you, I said no. I, I did when I was a kid. Favorite song you sung in the shower as a kid? I, I don't know. I'm sure it was something by Garth Brooks or somebody. Who knows? Tim McGraw. I did, whatever popular country radio was on at the time. Yeah. Man, I remember being like a, a Garth Brooks super fan as a kid. Oh, who wasn't? Favorite right? Garth Brooks song? Thunder Rolls. Oh, oh, that's a good one. I wasn't expecting that, actually. Thunder Rolls. People never named that what were you? Ex- what were you expecting? I mean, that's not like one of his. That's not his biggest hit, isn't his biggest hit? Um, probably friends in uh, my places. That's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Thunder, Thunder, Thunder rolls. I think Easy. mine would probably have to be Papa Love Mama. 
That's a good one, that's too. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Because it's that's just it's so too. poetic about how he drives his, his truck through the front of the, the motel. <laughs> and kills everyone. <laughs> Mom is in the graveyard. Papa's in the pen. Yeah, that line. Seriously, that line where he says um, he never hit the brakes and he was shifting gears as he goes through the front of the motel, like it gets me yeah. every time. Every time it's like so cool. Did he make a video? What is? <laughs> he gets one I, shot. Because I, I MTV. I don't, I don't think he did make a video for that. Wow. I don't think he did either. Garth Brooks. It says that friends in friends in low places is his number one song, and then the dance. Yeah. It's got to be the, the dance. dance. The dance. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What's what was the one about sleeping with older women? What is that song? That's got to be a great song. The title of. Is it uh, much much too young? The field no, is it's not much too young. No, it's um. Are you thinking? Of, is that Garth Brooks? Yeah, I went to work for her one summer. That's the first line. Oh. Oh. Oh, what is the name of that song? Wait, is it? No, it's not. Well, yeah, I, I, that summer. Yeah, I that, think that is it. It came out in '92. That's that summer. Yeah. It's yeah. It's got to be. I was thinking of who yeah, sings the song. Uh, oh, sweet. Uh, older women are beautiful lovers. Oh, I don't remember uh, who sings. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Is a country song? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Ronnie McDowell. Uh. Yeah. It's like, I know exactly what song that is, but I don't know who sings it. You, well, and I always think of um, that the country station in uh, in Georgetown that advertises that a bit. It's, what is it? It's, yeah, Hank FM. Hank. They say, for sales, Yeah. They say pretty much every little town yeah, every little in town Central Kentucky. But oh, they man. play that song like three times a day. Oh, absolutely. I, when I was working in the factory, when we would listen to Hank, like hour by hour, you knew what song they were going to play. Yeah. I've got a little better now that it's gotten, you know, <laughs> as songs have gotten older and they can play them in that format. But when they first started out, they played the same 25 songs all the time yeah. over and over and over and over and over yeah and it was like the playlist for this like the same like i remember coming i was doing something and i was driving home every day at six o'clock and every day i'd hear the song um eastbound and down by jerry reed at like 605 mm -hmm. constantly mm -hmm. i wonder if it yeah. was on a um was it was it a syndicated or was it live yeah, no, it was just it was a playlist on the server. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they only have a DJ in there like in the morning. Yeah. Hmm. And that's that's new too, because when they first started, they never they didn't have a DJ at all. Yeah, they they I think they they may have two DJs in there in the morning. Um, I used to know who it was, but I can't remember the guy's name. Either way, yeah, they they do have hosts certain times just. It's it's in the morning and I think the rest of the day it's it's generated, and then they play NASCAR on Sundays. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think they I think they do uh, high school football on Friday nights if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's they did there for a while. weren't they doing um, UK basketball games? I th they yes, because I think I think the 
I think 98 won the bull place. The bull always the does them. Foot. Yeah. I think 96 won may do the basketball games. I can't remember. I don't remember. It's been I so long. Paid, so. I, haven't, I haven't paid any attention to sports this year. This right. is the year that doesn't exist in my memory after it's over. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of them are getting COVID. Tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but then they're back like, like it never happened. So I don't know. But um, it's been a, it's been a weird year, right. man. It's been a weird year. Yeah, absolutely. Weirdest year in my life so far. Definitely. Yeah, and, I think any of ours, unless yeah. you, I mean, unless they, you lived through the Spanish flu. <laughs> but no, like I, I thinking about like um, what H one N one and the Ebola Swine all that. Flu. Yeah. I, I didn't even. It's like it happened and it didn't happen. It didn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it, like it happened somewhere else. <laughs> well, those viruses, they weren't really, like, they weren't necessarily a, as big as a, a pandemic as this one is. Like, they were yeah. they were secluded to certain areas, whereas this one just kind of encompassed the globe. I mean, I, I think Ebola was a bigger, a bigger deal where I was at in, what was that, 2015? I think so. 15, 16, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, because they had, the patient was in Dallas. Oh, wow. And I was, you know three hours from Dallas. So I, they had all of Fort hood. And of course I was working in a, a behavioral health clinic. Mm-hmm. So we of course had hand sanitizer and masks everywhere. And you know, yeah. that we had troops coming back from Africa. Um, and they were having to put them, I think in a 14 day quarantine for Ebola wow. at that point too. So it, it was, it was definitely a bigger deal where I was at than I think it was mm-hmm. most places. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, that's what I'm saying. It feels like now as there's no one in the world, even though there are some people out there who I guess still don't, you know, feel the impact, I guess. But it's, it's impossible yeah. to see that this is not a different time right now. Even Absolutely. where we are, like here in central Virginia, there's other than the people wearing the masks, it's not necessarily any different. Uh, I mean, what what have the shutdowns looked like in Virginia? So we're actually under a, a stricter one now that started. What okay. was it? Monday, Greg? Did it start? Yeah. Uh, midnight, Sunday mid. But yeah, Monday, Monday, twelve a.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even even like last week, you know, we work in we work in theater, so we were right. still allowed. Granted, at a we were at a third capacity, but we were still able to put on live theater. Yeah, we were. Right. Which um, I think we, we just relaxed because we went into like a three-week shutdown, I guess right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then it just got relaxed, I think, Monday. But, you know, before that, we, you know, it was kind of normal in a, in a sense. I mean, of course, we had a mask mandate. Yeah. Um, bars were open at limited capacity uh you know restaurants were open at a limited capacity and then of course for the last three weeks everything kind of got shut down except for you could go to a restaurant but you had to eat outside um it's it's not felt normal here you know since early march Mm -hmm. uh yeah this i mean it's been weird no it's it's been very weird. I mean, it's like 
everybody's always talking about the new normal. I'm like, there's no way that, I mean, this, this is not going to, I don't expect this to be the new normal of always having to, um, I do expect us to now be more aware of our hygiene and sanitize, you know what I mean? Like taking more care of our health and things like that. But, um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like this forever, you know? <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's why I don't, I don't see a difference because I mean, I'm kind of a germaphobe anyway. I always keep hand sanitizers in my car and anytime yeah. I, I would leave somewhere, I'd, I'd, I'd use it. And I always try to wash my hands. Yeah. So for me, at least this, the only difference is I'm wearing a mask. Well, I, and I think that, you know, once this thing settles down, um, uh, I think we, we will probably still see more masks even mm-hmm. afterwards uh that's true uh, uh, which is not a bad thing um no and well and like greg said i think it's good that we're able we're now at least putting an effort forth to have better hygiene and to no absolutely think, think about others around us if we're sick yeah it's yeah. crazy because i'm like but, man cold and flu season has been around for you know for as long as i can remember as a kid or whatever and i'm like mm-hmm if masks do help prevent you from spreading, you know, your germs to other people, we probably should wear them during cold and flu season. <laughs> I mean, if it really does help, yeah. you know, a little bit of chance to prevent it. I don't see a big, I like, I bought a lot of masks, so I need to make sure I use my investment um, <laughs> while I have these things. Well, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I saw somebody, Lexington, Kentucky had, zero reported flu cases so far this year and somebody had posted it on facebook uh and of course the comments that proceeded from that were people basically making it into a conspiracy theory yeah when you know the simplest answer here is probably that most people are staying home and most people are wearing masks and nobody's getting sick because it can't get spread around yeah Uh, it makes sense It makes a lot of sense, considering it's, that it, the flu isn't as I, contagious, apparently, uh, as COVID. Well, it's not. COVID is more virulent uh, than than flu is, but still, yeah, like you would expect there to be more more flu cases than zero reported. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, I, I really, I really hope that the the majority of people you know we we come out of this cuz i you know america is an independent do for yourself country mm-hmm. um which is why it's been so hard to get people to wear masks but i really i really do 100%. hope 100% <laughs> yeah, <it, laughs> yeah it come yeah. it come we that we come out of this a little more socially conscious and aware of the the people around us who may have health issues that we could really help them by just wearing a mask during cold and flu season yeah we got to care we got to care for each other man i mean like that's the biggest thing i've taken from this is that it's so easy and and especially being an american it's so easy to focus on you and to go and to go and to go you know and not worry about that Mm -hmm. there's somebody right beside you who's also is focused you know what i mean like we should all have to care about each other and i think if we don't take anything else from that we probably hopefully we can come to that agreement as a country soon so i don't know yeah. Oh, all we can do is hope. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. If, if there is what what change we will go through, hopefully it's for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you I know, hope. music is going to help that change. Well, yeah. music will always either help with the change or 
it's gonna be there regardless. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's gonna ride the wave. It is. Yeah. You can't kill it. It's like a cockroach. <laughs> and like, it's music is, for lack of a better description, it's an opinion of something. So no matter what happens, there's gonna be musicians on both sides producing music. That's true. To promote their opinion. Do you find yourself um, writing any type of, uh, I guess, protest songs or? Or songs that are for a cause, is that? I, I I wouldn't say necessarily protest songs are for a cause, and that's not really that's not really because I've avoided it or anything to that, you know, sort of thinking. It's just it's just not something that I've written about. I think the closest I've gotten to it is when when I have been mad about something I see. Um, but it's again it's kind of a flash in the pan thing it's like i i'm mad about this i have a line i'm gonna work off this line and i know what the song's about but everybody else might not know what the song's about right i think i think that's that that may be one of the things where i i I do try to generally write in as broad of strokes as i can um that way the meaning that can be derived from it is up to the listener's interpretation, but I know what I'm writing about. Yeah. I know what I'm saying. Uh, well, any, uh, any, any, anything you produce, whether it's a broad brush stroke or a, or a very finite one, it's going to be the, the interpretation is always up to the receiver, mm-hmm. not right. the, not the sender, but it, the broader you get, the more the sen- the receiver can take from that message. There's, there's also, there was a, a line that I've heard, or some quote by some sort of songwriter, professional songwriter that's uh, never put a ring in a song because as soon as you do, then you've alienated all of the people that are not married. Oh man. Yeah. Or not looking to be married. So well, that, that's, that's the that's whole kind of what I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing, even with like Stanislavski and acting, like if something has a purpose, like if there's a gun on stage, it's going to go off. If yeah. there's a if there's a ring in the song, someone's married. Right. Yeah. If if the gun is introduced in the what is it in the first act, then it has to be used in the third. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the whole idea is to just give give what it what you're saying purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give your words a purpose. Yeah. It's true. You. I mean, I, I got like Mike. Mike played a song um for me, one of your songs, <clears throat> and the line was something like. I lost myself in California or something like that. Is that the right lyric? Oh, yeah, it's um I it's that's was that Waco? That's got to be Waco. I haven't played that song in forever. Uh <laughs> I think the song's called Home. Is it is it Oh, home? okay. It's uh it, yeah, it's I left I left a piece of me in California. It's yeah, yeah. something to the effect of that line, which is I that is kind of a joke in that song. There, that's that the only like the... hidden. It's about my finger. Yeah, that's what it's, I it's a... I heard that and I'm like, okay, so wait. <laughs> right, and I and heard it. Otherwise, and I heard it and I and thought it was something really so much deeper song. than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, in, in an otherwise really like sad, deep song, like I. And at the time when I wrote it, like I knew it was. It, <laughs> I felt the way that that song probably sounds, but mm. I still managed to get that little dig in there. Cause it's like, that's a good line and it's true. <laughs> I did in fact leave 
part of myself in California, but it's because I crushed the tip of my finger off. Man. Uh, but it's so cool because people are going to hear that and relate to it in so many different ways. You know, they're going to feel yeah. like like it's something's crazy emotional, you know, like like some spiritual yeah. awakening type of type of stuff going on. But it's just your finger. <laughs> yeah, and they'll never they'll never know that. No, and that's why you, you generally you don't you don't lift the the curtain. You don't let them see behind the curtain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no Wizard of Oz can't let them know what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, little so, little mystery never hurt anybody. That's true. Is that song about Kentucky? Uh, that song's about a person. Okay. Okay. Do you ever tell the people that you're writing about that this song is for you, about you, or that you've inspired this song? Uh, Generally, I don't. I think that there are people that know just from listening. Okay. Um, Because I, I you know, I I take things directly from my life and I, I take things from conversations and that sort of thing. So that if the person that I've written about or that has inspired it hears it and they have paid any sort of attention to me um, or know me, <laughs> they they generally know. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to tell them. Um, yeah. Maybe if they asked. Maybe if they asked. But if I you want them to figure it out on their own. Yeah, kinda. Or them just assume that I'm not writing about them. It's it can go either way. It depends on the song. Yeah. Um, I've I've got one that's. It's not recorded, but I have played it live, and and the person that it was inspired by uh, heard it, and there was somebody. It was at an open mic, and one of my other buddies was sitting with that person, and they looked at my other friend and go, "Is this song about me?" But I never confirmed or denied it. So, <laughs> never confirmed. It's probably for the best. Yeah, they 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 knew. They called it right off. It wasn't even bad, right? Uh, but it was directly inspired from a conversation I had had with that person. A lot of times, if you have to ask if this song is about me, you already know what the deal is. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna ask. Is this song about me? I don't know. Who knows? But it's this- it's not vanity all the time. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it really is about you. Exactly. <laughs> That song did not make the like, top 100. I feel like a lot of songwriters are like that, too. They'll write songs about specific things or about specific people and just not tell them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't let people see behind the curtain. That's the yeah. It's the magic trick. Yeah. You got to have a magic trick. And if and, and you kind of, when I write songs, sometimes if I'm trying to, like, tell somebody something in the song, I'll say it in a way that only they would understand. Like, very... Yep. Everybody else will think that it's about something else, but when they hear it, they'll either be upset, they'll whatever it is I want them to feel, they're gonna feel, you know, <laughs> like. But only they will. Yeah. No one else will. Yeah. Even, I, th- I think even if I wrote a song where like the message is very plain and clear, um, if I wanted to say something to a certain person, I'm gonna add some sort of detail in that song, and it may be one line, kind of like the left a piece of me in California line. Yeah. Um, that only that person is going to know about the thing that I'm going to drop in there uh, <laughs> when they, when they hear it and recognize it. So nice. if, if they're paying attention, then they'll know if they're not, then I guess then they've never heard it. 
They never cared as deep as you did. <laughs> yeah. So you gonna play something for us today? That's what Mike was said. I was kind of looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, I reckon I can. I don't know. I haven't decided what I'll play. Yet. We want. We want some <laughs> exclusive. I mean, we want. Yeah. Oh. Some hot off the press. Well, I, I mean, you all are my my first podcast I've ever done. So any so guinea pig this for you. exclusive. Well, I, or I'm a guinea pig for you all. You all aren't even gonna put this up. This has just been me talking to you all for <laughs> just for fun. Yeah, but, uh... we've actually never recorded a podcast before. We just got together and decided to, to, to talk to you. Yeah, let's just do it. Well, if if I hadn't gone and and looked on Spotify, you might have been able to pull that <laughs> over on me. Even though oh, you man. told me that you were starting this podcast months and months and months and months ago, <laughs> and I just totally didn't realize that you had actually followed through on it. And it was. <laughs> I'm surprised surprised we did it too, but I'm glad we did it. I mean, I knew I knew that it was happening. I, yeah, we, I didn't know that it had started. You know, we talked about doing this podcast for years. Yeah, and then definitely. we never did it. <laughs> never did it. It's never really had the time. Never. I don't know. Just never say, felt the right place. But we knocked it out. Bam. Well, there's, there's no time like the present, and you know, you just got to fucking do it at any right. given yeah. time, I guess. There's our little E. Let's do it. Quarantine made us do it. <laughs> oh, what am I gonna play? What am I gonna play? Let me let me look at my list real quick. <laughs> I don't remember all of my songs at any given time. I have a list that I keep. Okay. How many songs have you written? Estimate. Um, I had figured it out a couple years ago. I know it's it's more now. Um I have to have at least a hundred. Okay. Uh I you know, most of those don't get played. Right. Um but yeah, there's I I've got probably a hundred songs, I'd say. Um Do I remember all of them? No, not a chance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky to remember the few that I, I keep in a in the playlist of what I'm actually going to play out. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do home. We've talked about home. I'll play home. <laughs> Playing home. So you're gonna set it up. This is uh, you got a stage name or you just Adam? Adam J. Stewart. Adam J. Stewart. Hit yep. home on around the record with Mike and Greg. <laughs> Sing takes the sky. I've crossed the ocean blue. I've been to California. Left peace to me. I felt like a ship. Lost at sea. 
time broke my heart. At least a hundred times or more, I've lost my way. I couldn't see the shore. I ain't afraid of dying. Just got to get back home. It's been my whole life trying. At least a thousand times. Trying to make it on the I've seen the Texas sky, but nothing compares to Boom. Little rough. It'll work. Can they find that um, on uh, streaming services? That is on, yeah, that's on all the streaming services. Uh, It's on the uh, EP that I released back in March. Uh, The EP is called Love's Great Labor, and that song is called Home. Nice. Do you have anything that you're working on currently or just released that you want to promote right now? I think that's that's my most recent release. Uh, of course, you can always look up 29 Horses on uh, any of the streaming services, download services. That's more the newest release there is going to be Kentucky Straight Heartache, uh, which is the album that was released last February. Of course, it's a full band, less singer-songwriter affair. Um, as far as what I'm working on right now, like I said, I, I just got started writing songs again, hopefully. Um We'll call it. We'll call it February. That seems like a good, good timeline. <laughs> Hopefully, I've got I've got something up and ready to go by then. Um, so just kind of keep your ear to the ground, keep watch. You can find me on Facebook at Adam J Stewart and the Unfortunate Kind. Uh, I don't have a website currently, so I can't tell you to go there. But all the streaming services. Uh, I think Adam J Stewart is on YouTube as well, um, and then Adam J Stewart on all the streaming services and download services, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. It's been... Well, as always, guys, you can you can find us too on the on uh, Spotify and Anchor and Apple Music and everything, and you can contact us at around the around the record podcast at gmail.com and around the record podcast on Instagram too. Yeah. yeah. Oh wait, you got an Instagram? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. And we're, we got some uh, some new stuff coming down the pike that Greg and I've been uh, discussing about too. We'll talk to, we'll uh, announce that in a future episode. Instagram, 
it's good, man. We're just trying to build, just like everybody, trying to build our our brand, build this uh, podcast. And I mean, thank you for being a part of it. Really enjoy. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hearing about your your journey, and we'll be glad to interview you again when you're winning your first country music awards. You know, <laughs> that'd be dope. Don't forget about <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, you're right. After you, after you win your first AMA, make sure you uh, or SCA. Make sure we get Either the one. first interview. We want the first. The first interview belongs yeah. to Around the Record. <laughs> you called it. You got it. If it ever happens, you got it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that's it. You already said that's your it. spill. See y'all next time. Thanks. Again.